Well, awesome. This morning, we're going to be jumping into week two of our Hebrews sermon series, and uh, specifically into Hebrews chapter three this morning. Now, if you were here last week, some of our more OCD people noticed that we just went from chapter one to chapter three. And you're like, there's a chapter in between, and I'm, I'm, you, know, you just have like some uneasiness. Well, we did that on purpose this morning. What we are asking you to do is now go home and read chapter 2 and study chapter 2 and fill in the gaps as well as as we go through the book, uh, the, the themes are going to continue to go forward. But we believe that an hour on Sunday morning is not enough Bible. It's not enough Jesus. It's not enough worship. This should be a, a constant part of your life. And so this week, Hebrews chapter 2, that is your encouragement. Get in it, learn, grow at home and bring it back to church with you next week as we continue just to jump into to Hebrews and into the amazing Word of God. Now, this morning, we are once again in chapter 3. Last week, we were in chapter 1, and chapter 1 is an amazing chapter. And in America, maybe we don't think of it quite like this, but I mean, it was talking about angels, who angels are, how awesome Jesus is compared to angels. And in the old days, in Bible days, that was a big deal. To say Jesus was greater than the angels, that was like huge, huge. But then you get to this chapter, and actually it might even be a bigger statement. And that's that Jesus is bigger and better than Moses himself. Now when you think of Moses, there are a lot you've seen in the past uh, of movies, even today in Hollywood about Moses. Uh, he just continues to live on. The word continues. Even not Christians, you know, that, that do movies or talk about Moses. But Jesus is so much bigger, so much better than anything Moses could ever possibly uh, give or do. And that's what we get to experience here in this time. But in the day when this was written, people would have said, and those that were in authority in, in the Jewish culture would have said that Moses was higher position a lot of times than even the angels. So just for clarity, you know, you think today, angels, that's pretty cool, but Moses is like the man. Moses is the man. And the writer of Hebrews, which we don't know who that was, uh, we talked about that a little bit last week as well, uh, he's like, hey, we're just going to go right at it. Jesus, better than the angels. Jesus, better than Moses. Just laying it out, Jesus is the best. He's got it. The Word of God is powerful and active. He's moving, and that is what he is saying. Jesus is the perfect representation of God. Now this morning, we're going to look at three choices that I believe are vital for us when we think of our walk with Jesus, when we think of what we, the importance we put on the Word of God, when we think of just who we are as Christians or those that are trying to follow Jesus. The first one is servant or son. Big question. Rebel or rested is next. And exposed or empowered will be third. So this morning starting with servant or son. Hebrews 3, 5, and 6 is where we are going to kick off this morning. And uh, just rich, rich scripture this morning. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were, were to be spoken later. Now, before we read verse 6, this is a, a big deal, right? Moses, he is pretty awesome. He's faithful to God. He's done all these things. But it says, as a servant. This is a big-time distinction. This is a big-time importance. He was a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. 
Moses was a part of the plan of God to see Jesus ushered in, to see him come and serve, uh, to, to make a difference in our lives by living a perfect, sinless life, by dying on a cross, by rising again, by being our perfect priest, the perfect sacrifice, so that we no longer, Old Testament things, we don't have to sacrifice bulls and goats, praise Jesus, that we don't have to do that. He did it for us. He died for us. And Moses, the word of God says, was faithful to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But then in verse 6, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Christ is not a servant in the house. Christ is way bigger. He's faithful over God's house as a son. It is vital for us to understand, to realize who is Jesus to you. And prayerfully, through the word of God, who is Jesus to you? What does the word of God say? He is the son of God. He died for you. He's all that we need. We need to hold fast to him and our confidence as he is our hope. Today, there's nothing more important than realizing the importance of Jesus, of what he did. In fact, if Jesus is not God, if he is not the Son of God, if he is not uh, the heir, the, the one that went and sits at the right hand of the Father, then this morning we are just wasting our time. This morning we just got to be in a really nice, warm, hot tub. That's what that felt like this morning. It was beautiful, and that's fun, but that would be all that it is. But when we understand and believe the truth of the word, it's not just about having a bath in a hot tub with a bunch of people washing. It is not that, but it's about following Jesus, giving our life to him, walking in him, realizing that everything in my life, no angels, Moses, no sickness, disease, problem, no person, not what my government would say or what anybody would say is what matters, but it matters what Jesus Christ, our Savior, would say. He's not just a servant. He served us, thank the Lord, but he is the son of God. Philippians 1, 6 says, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I believe that today, if we can understand what he's doing, he is completing a work. He is fulfilling something in your life. In fact, all through the Bible, the, the word of God talks about Jesus presiding at God's right hand. A place of distinction, of uniqueness, of power. He is at the right hand of the Father. It talks about him interceding for us. That is pretty amazing. Intercedes to us before God. He intercedes for, in Isaiah 53, it talks about for those who transgress against him. Which, guess what? That means we're included in that thing. Those who sin, those who make mistakes. He's interceding to see you accomplish his will on this world. To see you experience and walk in him. He is our mediator. He functions as the head of the church and through the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into truth. Church, he is God. And today, above anything else, if you walk out of church saying he is God, then that is the most important thing we could do. That's the most important place that we could get. We don't do what we do on a Sunday morning because it's just fun or because it's community and we like being with people. We don't get together in small groups. We don't grow. We don't change our life just for the sake of it. We do it because God is speaking and God is moving and God is pulling you to himself. And when we understand and give him that place of honor, then we can walk in a new place, a new way in him. 
question, servant or son, which house are you living in? With God, with Jesus being our God, being our Savior, then he welcomes us into his house. And this is amazing. And even as it says here that we are his house. We're not only servants in his house, right? Even, even what it said about Moses, but we are his house. We have been welcomed in in a way that is absolutely astounding, which means today, if you think you're just a servant or you're just on the outside or you just have to do enough and get enough accomplished and be good enough so that God moves and God speak and God will reveal and maybe someday let you into heaven, then we miss the point. He is the son of God and he welcomes us in as his house. And today, Although I want to grow and be all that God's called me to be, I want to serve, I want to do all those things, I don't only come to his house as a servant, but as a son or as a daughter this morning, we get to enter his home, his house, his kingdom. When I think about my, my house, we uh, have hit here for the last maybe year really in a good groove where our oldest two daughters, Elizabeth and Avery, where they do the dishes almost all the time. It is the greatest thing in the history of mankind. And if you have children at home, teach them to do a few things. It changes your life, parents. It is truly amazing. But you know, we could do this in two different ways. We could treat them like servants who you better get your job done or else this is what we feel like when we act like servants or we think of ourselves as servants. Or you're going to get canned. You're going to get fired. You're going to get booted from the house. You're not going to be a part of what goes on. As a servant... Maybe in our day, if you're an employee, at some point the teaching ends and you get kicked out. You, you get fired. No one likes that. But many, maybe at one point in your life, you've been in the situation and you're like, ooh, and we learn and we grow. Well, we don't treat our daughters, I pray. I hope they don't think so. But as servants, they are a part of the house. As being a part of the house, we all grow. We work together. We see God move. We get to let, the, let him show himself through us because we're not just some servant that gets paid to do something but we're a part of it. We do this together. Our home, the things we have as a family, we live life, we serve Jesus, we minister the gospel. We do that not as Pastor Chris or Pastor Rachel, but as the Gross family, we do this together. And that includes, that includes doing some dishes sometimes. That includes sweeping the floor or mopping the floor. That includes doing kids ministry or being out front or being in a parking lot for an event. It includes many, many things if we think church-wise but I am not a servant. I am a son of the most high God and he treats me that way, which means that when you mess up, when you make a mistake, guess what he does? He welcomes you. He holds you. He picks you back up. He doesn't kick you out. He's not kicking you out. He's pulling you in. And as long as we keep serving and going after him, and as it says, holding fast our confidence and boast and our boasting in our hope in Jesus, then we're in the family. He's not kicking you out of the family because you messed up. He's bringing you in and pushing you further into who he is. He is so good. Servant or son. He is the son of God and we are welcomed in as a son or daughter. Second this morning is rebel or rested. Now this is a big deal. And in this passage, and if you think of the children of Israel... They had a call from God. They were freed from Egypt. They were going to get to go to the promised land. And they were going to get to go enter the promised land. And in fact, the word of God, I think, makes it pretty clear. He was going to take care of whatever was in front of them. All they had to do was be obedient to go in and to possess the land. Or you could do what they did and decide, get to the edge of it, and say, you know what? 
this is an amazing place, amazing land, amazing fruit. It is amazing. They bring in back stuff to show everybody. These grapes are the size of like a beach ball. Like this is the coolest thing in the world. But you know what? There's some really tall giants there and they've got walls. And so I think instead of going where God has, we're just going to go the other way. We're going to turn back. Not, probably not the best option. In their life, in their world, what happened? They got to follow and go around in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years of wondering. Uh, that does not sound good. Their rebellion led them to the wilderness. Their rebellion led them to a place where they did not think and they did not experience maybe God like they wanted. Or at least that, that some of those things that Pastor Rachel, the things we want, they definitely did not walk in them. As we look to verse 7 through 13, it goes on and says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, which we have to stop in that. What a cool moment in the Bible. There aren't tons of moments. I mean, Jesus and he talks, but like the author here is saying the Holy Spirit says, this is the Holy Spirit speaking. So I would probably take serious attention to that. And then the first word, it says today. You know what that means? That means right now. That means Holy Spirit's talking, and right now would be a good time to pay attention, to listen. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways as I swore in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And today we are a church family that have an option to rebel against the things that God would speak, to rebel against the word of God and the power of God, or to find rest in him and in who he is. It is a big difference being in the promised land where God has called you to be or wandering in a wilderness where you get to eat and God's still miraculous even in the wilderness, but where you get to eat manna every day. And we get to go, if we follow them, then we're going to be complaining every day. We're going to be doing things that don't line up with him because we're living in rebellion rather than living in the choice of rest that he has for us. As I was praying and thinking, just like, Lord, what's a word for today? And you know, I think that we see in the church oftentimes that we expect something really, really big out of the people around us. In fact, right now, could you just like turn around, look behind you, look around, notice the people around you. Just, yeah, just kind of all over the room. Uh, yeah, there's a, a good number of people here today, a bunch of guests with baptism, just an amazing thing. Okay, just to make it clear, all of these people are just like you. And what do I mean by that? We all are sinners. We all are only anything because of Jesus. We all have our lives together about as much as Jesus has helped us get there. And we're all on a road to it. And you know what that means? You can look to the person next to you. You can, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's someone across the room. Maybe it's someone that you right now are struggling with. They are just like you. They're struggling. They don't have it all together. They don't know what to do sometimes. They're just trying to be obedient to God. They're trying to find rest. But sometimes we mess up. Now, I see a lot of heads like going up and down like, yeah, yeah, we do. And you're thinking, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, they, they do that all the time. Those people, you are one of those people. You are one of those people. 
But when we think of the church, so often we're like, well, it's church, everything, everyone's perfect, and God has fully sanctified all of us, and we are just good. Well, at least I am. But those people, and we actually can let rebellion or let worry, let, let uh, hate even arise. I think it's a strong word, but maybe a real word. Towards a brother or towards a sister. Because they are just like you. And they are growing. And they're on the road to that sanctification. They're on the road to someday being in heaven. When there's no more tears, death, sorrow, or sin. And there's no more hurting of one another. But until then, there is a grace that we have to give to the people around us. There's a grace that we have to offer just like Jesus so thankfully offers to us. And if I let someone else around me cause me to turn my back on what God is doing because they messed up, then I'm completely missing the message of the gospel. Because Jesus is there to pick you up when you fall. Jesus is there to help you with the, when you fall. And that should be our desire. And as I was just praying and believing, and I feel like we're really unified as a church right now. So this is a good time, not picking on any specific issue or problem. But I believe that there's things we can hold on to and not even some terrible outside of church sin, but the things inside, inside of us, where we expect things from others, and instead of just saying, God, you work in me, you heal me, you make me new, you make me whole, and therefore I'm not going to let those things be a part of me. And when a brother or a sister hurts me or wounds me or does something that isn't probably very, very Christ-like, I'm going to forgive and welcome them back, because I don't find my, my worth, my self-worth, who I am in a person anyways. So what can someone say? And today, as I said, I believe there's some people that today, if you can hear that word and you can give grace to a brother or a sister, then all of a sudden, the word of God begins to look a lot more clear when we start to treat people like Jesus treats us, when the word becomes real in us, starting in a church, in our family, and then going outside because then we've got a whole world that has a whole nother set of issues. He loves you. He's got you. And today, are we going to rebel against God, against his word, or are we going to find rest in him? Because if we jump to chapter 4, verse 11, it goes on to say, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Church, it is a constant work to strive to enter his rest, to go after his rest and who he is, to let him move in us. It's not just something you come to church for one hour a week and say, woo, I'm good. I found rest. No, it's a daily choice of resting in him. It's a daily choice of being who he's called us to be. It's a daily choice of saying yes to Jesus. Now, in my house, we, we do things, I think, maybe a little different than in some homes. Uh, partly, and I think we're all trying, but I try to read the word, and we're like, this is what the word's going to be. The word talks about worry and anxiety and these things, and like, don't, don't let that be a part of your life. And so what do we tell our kids? Tell them all the time, we don't do anxiety. We don't do worry. We just go with what God said. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have issues and we have to work through things and problems, but literally that's what we do, is we're going to put a smile on our face, not a fake smile, but we're going to let Jesus give us a real smile. We're going to let him do those things. So one of our daughters, Avery, she was talking the other day just about her friends and hanging out and maybe even some sitting around her. I don't know. But that they uh, were talking and they were talking about their anxiety and all of this stuff and they couldn't do a few things. And my daughter said, well, we don't do that in our house. So why don't you just do what you want to do? Like, you want to go do it? Go make it happen. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know if she can say that. Like, that's more of an internal in our house thing. But now I've told you all. So here we are, right? 
And the key is that that's literally how I believe the word would say is let's not walk in anxiety. I will not accept that in my home. I will not accept that in my life. So therefore, I'm going to choose to walk in his rest rather than walk in fill in the blank, whatever it might be. Now, when I say that, sometimes that choice needs to go along with people that hold us accountable, people that build us up, maybe counseling, maybe other things that we say, Lord, I'm in you, and Lord, thank you for giving people that can walk this journey that I'm on. Life can be difficult. We all have different things that how we think and how we act and in our natural way. But when I say, Lord, I'm going to walk in your rest, then all of a sudden I start from a place, I'm going to make it. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to fail. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to walk in rebellion, but I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And once again, and I'm going to put people around me to help me every step of the way. People that push me and people that even sometimes when I might say it, but I'm not feeling it, that they can pick me up and pull me across the finish line if that's what it takes. Because I'm going to be successful. I'm going to find rest in Jesus. I'm going to move for it every day. Rest is available to you daily through an active, diligent walk of faith. And church, we can do it. Church, we can experience him. Walk in him. Find rest in him. Give him your cares, your anxiety, your worry. Give him your sin. Give him the rebellious things of your life. It's not, that's just how I am, or that's just who I am. Get rid of that from your vocabulary, and instead, Lord Jesus, I choose to walk in your rest. I choose to walk in your wholeness. I choose And watch day by day, week by week, year by year. Watch as God brings you to that place of wholeness and health in areas that you thought you never could experience. Because when we walk in him, it will happen. It will happen, church. You can find freedom. I don't care if you've been struggling with something for 20 years or 50 years. You can find freedom. Today, rest in him. Rest in him. He's got you. And the last one this morning is exposed or empowered. I think when we look at the Word of God, there are options. Uh, In fact, if I'm real, Pastor Dave and I, we're on a presbytery board, and there's times when things are exposed in people's lives, and it's like, oh my, Lord Jesus, help us. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't think that word is a word that anybody wants to experience in their life, being exposed in whatever it might be. That's a negative connotation, something you do not want. And I believe the Word of God is something that reveals so clearly in us that it will expose truth at some point or another. Now my prayer is, I want to be exposed in my quiet time. I want to be exposed with a couple of uh, maybe, you know, really close people to me, not in a public setting. And what's that mean? I want the Word of God to be revealed to me on bite-sized chunks that I can grow day in and day out to become more like God, right? I pray that's what we all want. And the next couple verses, Hebrew 4, 12, and 13, Powerful, say, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
And I believe the word of God wants to reveal in you and in expose, maybe in small things. And I would, those, we'll use that as a positive thing. He wants to show you some things. He wants to reveal some things in your life. He wants to give you ways that you can grow. And the word of God cuts. The word of God reveals. The word of God will kind of fillet out. If you've ever seen a, a fish being like ready to eat, filleted, it is amazing. Just will cut it out. And I pray and want the word of God to do that personally in my life. Because if I choose, instead of letting the word of God empower me and be revealed to me, then there'll be a moment or many in my life where things are exposed about who I really am. Things that hurt others, that hurt myself, things that put me in a place of pain and of suffering, things that instead of trusting and relying and resting in God will be the, uh, the opposite. The opposite will be revealed to me. The word of God is not simply a collection of God's words or vehicle for communicating ideas. It is living, life-changing, and dynamic as it works in us. And church, we must allow it to work in us. Be the life change because it's not just something we do. It's not just something we read. It's not just something we believe. But it is truly who we are. It is truly what we are about. And we give it all, everything, all parts of us to Jesus. The Bible open to you through the work of the Holy Spirit is your clearest mirror and strongest counsel. Before we close today, I just want to hit on that. This word of God is your mirror to what is right, to what is good, to what is holy. It is your counsel. And if you're like, I don't know where I should go or what I should do, I encourage you to line yourself up with the word of God. The word of God will reveal to you. And sometimes when we let the word of God reveal, be revealed to us, it hurts a little. Because sometimes we realize, oh man, I'm not where I should be. How do we know? Sometimes I can look and say, ooh, my words hurt that person. My actions didn't reveal Jesus. What I did or what I said or maybe in my home, ooh, that, that temper or, or those emotions weren't good. Those weren't what God would have for me. It, we, can be, we can see what the word of God says. Anxieties and cares and grief, baggage that we might carry with us that we should be giving to God. We must trust God and let it reveal his truth to us. We must experience him. I believe that when we read the Bible, you will see for yourself. If you've never put this word in you, read it and see for yourself. Study the Bible and learn about God. And you know what else? And about yourself. Because when you read and study the word, all of a sudden you begin to understand who you are. And apply the Bible and change your life. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And today the word Jesus wants to speak to you. In fact, all through the Bible, we see different things and just put them into a, a short little thing. And I just want to share them with you that are so amazing. His word brings true health, fullness, prosperity, and success to what we do. It is healing power and the power to deliver from oppression. It cleanses us. It keeps us from sin. It is a counselor. It is a source of strength. It imparts life. It is a source of illumination and guidance. It gives peace to those who love it. It bears fruit in your life, has power and authority against demonic power. It is entering Jesus as he is the word. It is essential to eternal life. Living in it has the, the evidence, it is the evidence of true discipleship. It is the means to your sanctification. It carries power, builds faith, gives assurance of salvation. It gives a clear conscience to those who follow it. 
It is the sword of the Spirit. It works effectively in those who believe it. It sanctifies the very food we eat. And once again, it is not dead. Instead, it is active and alive and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is simply all we need. I hope you realize, you've been here, if you've been here for more than a day, in fact, one day, you know today, this is what it's all based upon. It doesn't matter what culture says, what governments all around the world would say, what my friends say, or even what my own children would say. The word of God is real, and I will hold fast to it. And I encourage you, church, if we say yes to God, if we say yes that he is the son, that we get to rest in him, then we can be empowered in him through the word. Church, this morning as we come to a close, I just believe that God wants to speak a couple of, of things. And first, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. All you have to do is ask him, Lord Jesus, will you come into my, high, my, in my life? Will you forgive me of my sins? Make me new. I repent and make you Lord of my life. And right now, right where you are, you can say those words and he welcomes you in. He brings you in and says, you're a part of the family. You're in. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High. Nothing better. The best decision that you can possibly make. And this morning, I believe that there's just an importance to say yes to the word. As I've been praying this week, I feel like there might be some people that you are walking through something. Maybe a son or daughter has gone away that doesn't go and go with the word. And you're like, well, if I believe the word, then that means my son or my daughter, they're not right. And they might, they're not serving Jesus. And I don't know what to think. And I want to challenge you to say yes to this book, no matter what anybody else would say. I want to challenge no matter what you want to do. I just feel there might be a person or two or three in the room that you'd be honest and you'd say, I'm struggling. I want to believe. I want to stand on it. I want to make it my foundation. But it's been hard. And I believe God wants to help you today say yes once and for all. Just like being baptized over there. The word is true and powerful and I will say yes to it. In fact, all over the room, if we could just bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here today and you say, that's me, I've been struggling with something. Something I know is true, I know is right, but I've just been struggling to say yes. And you say, I want to once again make the Bible my foundation, every part of it. And Lord, help me to know, help me to understand. If that's you and you say, I've been struggling and I want to once again commit to make the word of God everything. Would you just, real bold, would you raise your hand up just so I can see you, so I can pray? Yes. All over the room. Yep. All over the room. I don't want anybody to miss the opportunity just to raise a hand. Sometime it's something about doing it. And you put your hand down when you have it up. Thank you. At home, maybe you are there. Maybe you're at your couch. Maybe a podcast in the future if that's you this morning. God loves you. He's got you. And before we leave, I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. He loves you. And I believe he's going to re-energize the word in your life. So Lord, this morning we're thankful for those who may have just said yes to you and received you in their life. We're praying that prayer right now. And Lord, I thank you for those who have said the word of God needs to be foundational once again in my life. What you say above anything else, the word is it. The word I will stand upon. The word is truth. And Lord, I pray you would make it alive. You would make it alive to this church, to these people, to your church, God. That you would make it alive, that they would experience you and know you and say yes to the word of God over opinion, thought, thought, culture, even our own desires. But Lord, we will say yes to you. 
So those that raise their hands, strengthen them, build them. And as a church, Lord, let us go after you day in and day out to see one more person come to know Jesus because your word is true. And we have a commission to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. We thank you, Jesus, for your power. You're so good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Church, nothing better than knowing him. Nothing better than experiencing him through the word. Thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, just an awesome thing to ex- get to worship together, to experience Jesus together. We're so excited and look forward to coming back next week to just walk in what he has. And be careful what you watch. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you talk about. Savor the presence of Jesus. Have a great week.